Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Perception is Reality. It's your host, David. Joining me today is my friend, Margaret Ackes. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. I'm glad to have you here. It's, it's, I've said this before, Facebook is a blessing and a curse. Um, I really do hate Facebook and the way that it collects our data. Uh, that was heard in a previous episode where my friend Jeremiah Craig tried to convince me otherwise. He didn't do a good job. However, Facebook allows me to get in touch with friends. Uh, and if you're of a different generation, you won't understand this because you will have never not been connected. But once upon a time, Margaret and I worked together in Oahu, in Hawaii, in a call center. We that did. Was, that was prior <laughs> to mobile communications. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, at the time, I did have a pager, and I did get a cell phone when I moved to the different group that w- within the um, company that we worked for. That's so true. in the very beginning. It was the very beginning, because that was in, in 1997. It was when I started my life on call, and since 1997, I've literally been on call, and now in my career starting in 2019 towards the end of it will be the first time I won't have to be on call and I'm not sure what to do with myself. Um, I remember taking a flight from Oahu to, um, to Maui and there was a gentleman sitting in front of me on the plane. And when I got up, he goes, you must be really important. And I looked at him kind of funny. He goes, you have a pager and a cell phone. And I was like, really? It was just, it never even occurred to me that that was a big deal back then, but it really was in 1993, 94. It was, but we were also working for a telecommunications company. So to be fair, <laughs> I mean, if, so for us, uh, uh, when they needed us, they needed us, and when things went down, still people got upset. Um, but back to my point is, when we left, my wife and I left Hawaii. It was really difficult to stay in touch with people. We didn't really even have email, really. True. Um, and then I've moved around from through several states, so my numbers had changed over the year. It was very difficult to track people down, but thanks to Facebook, I'm able to track down old friends from Hawaii, uh, like Margaret, and coerce her into being on the podcast. Speaking of the podcast, because that's why we're here, although I have been using this as a way to catch up with old friends, and it's been a lot of fun. So warning to the audience, this could go long. Haven't spoken to Margaret in person in a long time. There's been some IMs back and forth using Facebook Messenger, but you know, IMs uh, pale in comparison to the spoken word. So Margaret, I asked you specifically. Normally, I don't like to know the topic, but I specifically was looking for somebody to be my Valentine's Day special, and this episode will air on Valentine's Day. So can you tell us what is today's topic? Today's topic is the single person on Valentine's Day and the perceptions about such people. I think I hit the the nail on the head. If I didn't, you can elaborate for me, but I believe that's what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about or what I'd like to talk about because I have been in a relationship for quite a long time. I mean, yeah, I mean... (laughs) We've been married over 25 years. We've been together over 27 years. So being single to me is a, is a foreign concept. And coming up on Valentine's Day, typically I start to see my friends on Facebook start to post things about being single, you know, memes about how awesome it is, memes about how it's not awesome or the pressure from parents or loved ones, like, why are you still single? You know, those kind of things. So I was like, all right, well, let me see if somebody's willing to talk about what that's like to to tell us, because I have many perceptions built up, but I have no real basis on what it's like to be single. There have been times when I've had to move to a different 
spot in the country ahead of Sherry, and I've been alone, but I was still not totally alone. I might have been alone in that spot, so it's I feel like it's different. Um, and if it comes up, I'll tell everybody how we how I fared in those short periods of time. But uh, where would you like to start, Margaret? Because you were very quick to volunteer, which I appreciated, and then knowing our history together. Um, I was really curious because you're, you're a veteran. Oh, well, and being single. I think, think, yeah, I am. And I think that's a good place to start. So David actually knew me when I was married and when I went through a pretty challenging time and became single. So he's known me both ways um, as a dedicated mom of a, a pretty above a toddler and then a single parent with a toddler and raising her. And then I, chose my choice was not to remarry um after becoming single because i felt like it wasn't fair to my daughter so for me singlehood has been a choice it's not something that you know some people don't look at it that way they look at it like this is just a state of being for a a temporary time i never looked at it like that i looked at it like and this is just my opinion and my perception I didn't feel like my child deserved to be put in a situation where she became a stepchild or, you know, wasn't the number one thing in my life because she, she'd gone through some pretty tragic circumstances already. So for me, it was a choice to be single. And I think that when it's a choice, the, the values may be quite different than if you're in a, in a state in your life where you're, where you're looking and waiting and pining for someone or, you know, or not. Um, so that, let's just start there. I mean, I think that's a fair way to start. Because mm-hmm. I, it's not that I haven't been in relationships. I've been in many long-term relationships, but I never saw them go past um, dating long-term. And it's not that we couldn't have gone there. We probably could have. But I just, for my, for me, it wasn't what I wanted to do for my family at that time. Now, have, have my perception changed since my daughter's now 28, moved away? is a scientist in Antarctica. I had to do that plug for you. Um, yeah, it, it's changed a lot because I've done what I sought out to do, which was create a very successful human being that can stand on her own and be see independence and see being single and being a woman as um, positive attributes and not make choices based on those kinds of things. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense to me. I'm, so, I'm hoping... So yeah. can we just touch upon that a little bit because um, you definitely are someone I would consider as a strong person, let alone female or male, just a strong, strong person. Um, I, I haven't known you to not really get anything that you ever really wanted. And some people don't, I think you're a good example of if you really want something, all you have to do is try and then keep trying. But one of the things you just talked about, which could be an episode in and of itself later, but I do want to talk about that is the importance. So if I heard you correctly, raising your daughter, who is this incredibly smart, wonderful, independent woman who happens to be a brilliant scientist in Antarctica, which is an incredibly hostile environment, and it's a difficult place to attain to when you're in the scientific world, number one and number two. Like that seemed to be, so if I, if I perceive what you said, right, raising her to be that woman she is today was more important than finding somebody, anybody, I don't mean to like belittle your previous relationships in case they just have to listen, but you know, like anybody settling down and, uh, but raising her was more important. That took precedence. It did for me. It did. I, um, I think what I looked at was, you know, I have this human being that didn't ask to be put in any, any kind of situation other than being in a stable, healthy home with, with, you know, the ability to learn and grow. And that's exactly what I wanted to give her. And I, I really tried to make her the number one thing in my life. And I did. Um, I, I'm very proud of her. She's got a PhD. She's, you know, it's very difficult to get a, um, a job, a, a position in, in Antarctica. She worked very hard for that. So I'm proud of her for that. But I also went to therapy. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this all on like I'm the smartest person on the world or I did this alone. I didn't. I went to a therapist once, and more than once, but in one particular therapy session I went to, the, the um, therapist said to me, I was, you know, talking about how I feel like I had a lot on my shoulders and I, I you know, wanted to do it right. And he made something, a comment to me that I thought was 
pretty ingenuous and I never forgot it obviously because it's this has been 20 years he said young girls who grow up with a, without a father in their in their presence become one of two things generally this is a general statement but it also has some science to go behind it they either become promiscuous and look for affection from um, from men or they become strong women who are very successful and I just looked at him and I said well we don't have an option here and then I realized that if I wanted that for my daughter, you have to be what you want them to be or they won't become it because they see you as fake. So we're not talking about the topic at hand, but we're setting a good course for it, I think. No, it, it, we are because um, not only, you know, you're, you're a single mother. That's, I mean, uh, that's not to say that her father didn't have a role growing up. We're not here to talk about that, but you bore the responsibility of the child rearing so as a single mother, was there pressure on you from external forces or even internal to find uh, uh, a partner? I, I think it depends on who you talk to. Like my parents were like, we don't care if you date, marry or whatever. They, they were, I mean, they wanted me to be with the right person, not with any person. And I, I think my friends, which I think is always funny. Your friends always like, why are you single? You know what I mean? That, that I get asked that a lot. And it's not, it, it's because I'm kind of funny. I'm not being, I don't want to sound conceited, but uh, let's be real. I'm kind of funny. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I'm pretty independent. Like I'm pretty independent. I don't need somebody to help me buy a car or buy a house or two or six because I have a few. Well, I don't need any wealth is not something I need help with. And, and I think the other thing is, I try to take care of myself and I'm not saying that like I'm beautiful cause I'm not, but it's a mental health thing and a physical health thing. And people see you put together. It's a lot like Facebook. We've talked about this before people see something on Facebook and they think that's what you are. And they assume, well, like that person's just totally got it together. Why aren't they with someone? Well, being with someone for me is a choice. It, and it doesn't matter if it's Valentine's day or any other day of the year. It, I have learned in my life that, um, I read another, I read a lot of books, but one of the books I read said that, you know, um, being with someone requires a lot of responsibility from you because, you know, you, you owe them as much as you owe somebody that you sign a contract with in a business. You owe them your time, your respect, your this, your that. And if you don't feel like you can do that, don't put someone through that. And I've always remembered that. And I also feel like there's a time and a place for, for the right kind of relationship. And honestly, until like this past, three years, I don't think I was ready to like give all that was needed to be with someone and still be able to give to my daughter and, you know, start a business, which I have done and, and, you know, take care of my parents through their last years, which I did, you know, stuff like that. I, I really tried to prioritize my family first and you can't do it all. You just can't. A, a lot of people can. I think if you start out like you and your wife did young and together, it's much easier than if you're in your 30s, late 30s, early 40s, or in your 50s, which I'm in my 50s. Yeah, you can't be that old because we're still 20 in our young 20s, living in Oahu. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, you're right. You're right. But I, I, I kind of want to set the stage of where I am in life because I want people to understand that what I see a lot in younger women is this. It, it, it's one of the most frustrating things I see in single women is, you know, they're, they have expectations of people. And I have learned through many years that you create expectations that are constantly going to create disappointment for you. So one of the things I'm hoping single women on Valentine's Day will take away from this is don't create expectations that you know, or you could perceive not happening because it only sets you up for disappointment and heartbreak and failure. And, and that to me is something that I try desperately to stay away from because, because no one likes that. It's not fun. It doesn't feel good. Um, and I think another thing I see from younger women, and this is, this is just something I see. I look at Valentine's day. People think of it as like a, you know, this is the day of love. And well, let me tell you something. Love is every day. And if you don't feel love from someone every day, one day is not going to make a difference. If somebody's not willing to give you flowers on, you know, January 2nd instead of the 14th of February, I, I kind of wonder, like, if, if it becomes an obligation to participate in a relationship, what, what's there? 
that that's a good point. And for for the record, um, there, I have a couple things to say if you don't mind. One, Sherry and I don't actually celebrate Valentine's Day. We're really, I mean, I think we celebrated it while we were dating. And then after that, it became, like you said, it's uh, it's an every everyday thing. Uh, it's not. We don't need a holiday uh, for her to know that I love her, for me to know that she loves me. We just we just one day is one day does not a relationship make. Um, and I will say this too. So I like Steve Harvey. He's one of my favorites, but he, he often talks about relationships. And one of the things he says to his daughters is that, and his audience members is that if you will know he's into you when he's willing to make time for you, um, and, and there's a lot behind that statement. And, and, and if you want, go get, you know, not you, Margaret, but if anybody's listening, go get one of Steve's books and he explains it really well. And I'm going to do a poor job, but I mean, basically we see it all the time when couples, they couple up, there's what I see kind of like two types. And, and I know that there's more, but there's the two types. Like I would say Sherry and I, we became about each other like our, our we still had friends we had healthy friendship relationships but we were you know we were a unit and then there's the other people who value their external relationships more like you said if you want to have time with somebody you've got to be willing to put that time in and julie talked about that really well in her podcast on relationships uh so i think you you may you you're making the same point and you did it in a good way in a different way i hope that will resonate um, with people. And one thing that I'd like to ask you is to all the single people out there, whether they have kids, whether they don't, whether in their twenties, uh, whether they're in their thirties or forties or even fifties and they've survived a divorce or they've never had that one, what advice do you give them to just be at peace, knowing that it, it, it's okay. I think I, my perception, this is my, this is my pers personal perception, is that I think somehow people think that there's a perception that it's not okay to be alone. And I, I don't know where that came from. Well, so let's talk, because I think being alone and, and Valentine's Day and being single are different. But being single on Valentine's Day for me, is a day where I, I actually tell my friends, I mean, people know me that know that I'm, I can be a real hard, hearty kind of like a, I have a kind of hard exterior, but I have a very soft interior um, in my heart. And what I do for Valentine's day is I let everybody that I know that I have really close friendships with, I love them. I love them. I don't care if they're my boyfriend or girlfriend. Cause I don't, that's not my thing. I just want you to know, you know, this is, this is my day to tell you that I love you. And, and that you mean something to me and, you know, bring up a fun event that we've been a part of or, you know, go to dinner as a group. You know, some people call it Galentine's Day. I don't do that Galentine's Day thing because I have friends that are boys and girls, but, but or men and women, whatever. But I, I, I just truly try to use the day for what we taught our kids to use it for. You know, they pass out cards to each other. It's not about one person. They give candy to each other. That's not about one person. I use that day to pass my thoughts on, not in the card. Usually it's in an email or a text because that's how I roll. But um, I, I try to use it in the same concept, context it was meant for in kindergarten because for me, the day itself, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day for Valentine's Day. I just wait for it to end because on the 15th, I get discounted candy. And that's <laughs> mucho importante for me. But I will also say I'm the same way about Christmas. Um, it's not just about Valentine's Day. Like my daughter grew up knowing, okay, Christmas, you're going to get a present of your dreams, whatever it is. But the day after Christmas, we're going to go get all those clothes and all that crazy stuff you wanted because it's half price. I look at a lot of these things as very commercialized and, and not really for the value that they mean in someone's heart. And so I hope if someone listens to this that is single, the one message I would tell to you is that it's one day out of 365 days. And if you don't make all of them count for, for different reasons, they're, none of them matter because this is just one day. It's not going to make or break you. And it's your choice to make this be what it wants to be, what you want it to be, not someone else's to make it for you. That's an excellent point. And I hope that resonates with the listeners. One point I'd like to talk about for a minute 
is the commercialization aspect. And I talk a lot about confirmation bias in, in a lot of the episodes because I'm really, I really think people look for, they're looking for confirmation of the way that they think versus looking for differing opinions to, as, as a means to balance out what they're thinking and make an, an opinion. It's much easier to confirm something than it is to disprove it. So I think, how do you think the commercialization of these holidays, especially Valentine's Day, plays into the stereotypes and the, and the negative perceptions? I think it's pretty easy to see. I mean, you know, the displays for Valentine's Day go up the day after, you know, honestly, the day after Christmas is over. I hate to say it, but I've seen it even in our local grocery store. The, you know, the reservation notices, please get your reservations for February 14th. They go out in the middle of January. Who does that? Like, I don't plan a month ahead of time for a dinner unless it's, you know, it, I will be planning four years ahead of time for my retirement dinner just to be straight. But otherwise, I'm not <laughs> planning a dinner a month ahead unless it's something super fantastic important, right? And I'm not discounting that Valentine's Day may be super fantastic and important because, hey, people get married on Valentine's Day, they get engaged on Valentine's Day, they have kids on Valentine's Day, so that may make it extra special. But, like, here's my stance on all that. And I don't care what day it is, if it's Christmas, if it's New Year's, whatever it is. I personally, I look at guys who get engaged on Valentine's Day and I go, really? I mean, awesome thought, but, like, why why do you have to pick the holiday to do it? Because that's kind of an, a point of expectation on some people's part. I would rather use the element of surprise in a different context, but that's just me. I, I, I'm a more of an original thinker, but I think one thing people need to take away from, from this is if you have a friend that's single, you know, don't, don't think that they aren't feeling it. They're feeling it. They, they feel like they're single. Um, if you can, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, look, you want to go with us? We're going to have drinks. And then you go out with your, your significant other for dinner. I mean, make them, make them feel like you care. I mean, it doesn't matter what day it is. You should make people care anyway. But if they really mean something to you and you know that it means something to them, make it mean something to you and them together. So you make a memory because memories are what it's all about. It is. Um, and there are scientific studies that have proven that taking a vacation at the end of life, looking back will mean more than buying the car uh, or something, you know, tangible, like it, it has a shelf life. Because if you buy the car, and I'm just using a car's example, could be a house, could be, you know, could be a diamond ring, earrings, you know, or new watch, new guitar, whatever, whatever that is, that is, well, actually, a guitar would be more of an experience because then you could play it forever. But anyway. Um, you get my point, is that those experiences that you pay for, like a vacation or you're paying for an experience, that's a memory that will be associated with a wonderful thought that when you look back on life, you will have it. And, and I'm only saying that in comparison to, like, if you have the money to buy the vacation or buy uh, a regular car or, you know, you buy the fancy car, but you live only for that fancy car and you don't have uh, the nice house in the nice neighborhood because you spent all your money on a car. You can't ever vacation because you spent all your money on a car. Cars just not, doesn't really bring you the long lasting happiness at the end of life, like a vacation or an experience would. So I like what you're saying is make that experience. So if I heard you correctly, like, make this day in particular an experience for people to remember and that the truth of us is, and I believe this, uh, and, and someday we can talk about this maybe another episode, is that we still carry around that five-year-old from kindergarten with us no matter how old we are. And I like your take on it is that, you know, don't be afraid to hand out the, I think it would be fun, quite frankly, and it wouldn't shock me in the slightest bit even though that you and I haven't actually had the chance to speak on the phone or in person in probably 25 years or 20 plus years, is that it wouldn't shock me if you went to the local store, picked up those little, little, the little box of the little Valentines and handed them out to people. I do. 
when I manage people, I always do that on holidays and and Valentine's Day, I always put candy in them. And, you know, like, I feel like, you know, maybe they don't get that from home, but if you put that on their desk and they go, look, somebody thought of me good, but I would have done it on, on the 13th or the, or January 2nd to let you know, I think of you, but I just, I really do feel like, you know, let's be inclusive of the holiday for everybody. But my girlfriends, my special girlfriends, like I'll send them a five bucks star, Starbucks gift card, you know, and say, go get one on me. You know, I was thinking about you or something. Just because mm-hmm. it's, you know, you want them to know you're thinking of, of them. You may not be able to see them, but they're going to buy a cup of coffee or, or tea and they're going to go, oh, look what Margaret did. Not that I care about that piece of it. It was the, it's the giving part. Yeah, it's the association. Like, you know, somebody, Correct. somebody out there in the world cared. That wasn't necessarily re, uh, supposed to care because they're related to me. <laughs> Correct. Or there's, or the, um, the, what is it? The, the view of the world is that it should be a male or it should be, uh, you know, somebody that wants to pursue you. Uh, whatever. Right. Well, I mean, we can look at the movie Frozen for that. I mean, Disney was like, true love's kiss can be a sibling. Oh, that's you know, very true. Yeah, that's true. That's you, don't true. Need, you don't need a prince to, to save you, which is good, which is true, uh, because I do feel like they've been spoon-feeding everybody the whole prince uh, shining knight example um, when you don't really need to. You just you know need a sibling who's willing to give a crap about you. I think that's probably the, the biggest dis- um, disturbing thing in our culture for me, especially, um, is that we put a lot of pressure on people to look for perfection based on what we grow up with. And that's just really not reality. And, you, you know, getting past the perfection part, I think I'm so proud of young people that I see that, you know, I, I notice I work in an industry where we have a lot of different age groups. And um, I actually was fortunate enough to run a program within the, the company that I work for that we brought in. Um, folks straight straight out of college and we taught them how to sell and we put them in the field and what I noticed is they're fearless when it comes to romance and being married at young ages whereas my generation was like oh I think we'll wait till we're 30 their generation is let's just jump into it which is like our parents used to be I kind of respect that because they're ready to go through the journey together and they're not they're not looking at it you know like how do we fail like our generation truly was the generation where people got openly divorced whereas our parents generation really wasn't I, I can only speak for my parents because my parents were, were, you know, much older. I have brothers and sisters that are 10 years older than me. But what mm-hmm. I saw and what I see now is young people live for experiences. I, like you spoke about, you know, it's more of an experience to go on a vacation. I have personally witnessed young folks that are very successful. I mean, I think coming out of college in the sales organization, making $100,000 your first year out of college is pretty successful from a wealth perspective. I'm not saying that that means they're um, internally they're successful because you know you have to balance but I see them all all the ones I really follow on social media and once again social media is a trap so we're Mm -hmm. not all watching perfection we're watching what they want us the illusion of what they want you to see but they live for the experiences they're skiing on the weekends in Tahoe they're going to Croatia to the yacht week for the experience of being able to do all that and pack it in and and grow in their in their um, memories and their time with their friends and things like that. So I totally get your point. But back to Valentine's Day itself, I think it doesn't matter if it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, your best friend, you know, somebody on on the subway beside you. If you can make somebody's day by handing them a card that just says, you know, Happy Valentine's Day, and doesn't have to say I love you, um, why not? Uh, that's a good question. Why not? In, in a different episode about success uh, that I just taped, Dean Parker often asked himself, what would happen if? So what would happen if you gave somebody a Valentine just to try to brighten their day? Now, I don't recommend the whole wearing the free hug shirt. One, because I'm not a <laughs> hugger. Uh, but two, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, that's the whole life is like a box of chocolates. Thank you, Forrest Gump. So a Valentine scene, uh, a random Valentine seems less... Um, less prone to uh, creepiness, I guess. I don't know how to phrase that, but uh, I don't know what would happen if, if somebody did that. Maybe that's a challenge uh, for next year because we're going to be airing this on Valentine's Day. So, or maybe it's a challenge for this Valentine's Day. Get your butt up off your desk, 
out of your house, go buy some random Valentine today and hands them out. Relive your kindergarten days. Right, right. I think there's one other aspect I want to touch on because singles, this is probably one of the most harsh realities is it's easy to become a third wheel when you have a friend, a set of friends that are a couple, you know, they'll ask you to do things and they mean it generally out of their heart and you just start to feel like you're the third wheel. That's on you, man. If you want to feel that way, then you will feel that way. But if you want to enjoy two people's company that are your friends and they're married, don't let that perception cloud your ability to have a good time. I have some girlfriends that, that are friends with couples that feel that way. And what I see that's interesting is the couples love my friend. They both the wife and the husband love her equally or love them equally. And they generally want them around. And I think it's their own insecurity internally that keeps that, that third wheel thing coming up because if that's how you feel it really means that you you wish you were with someone not that you are uncomfortable with the people you're with so just keep that in mind as you as you journey through this and if someone ever says to you why are you still single you know to me that's just kind of their reality not yours and you can't own their perception and their reality you know you, they don't really know what you're going through you know they don't know that your dad's in the hospital and you're you know caring for an elderly person or that you have you know, a goal to hit or whatever it is, don't let someone else's perception persuade you into being or, or, or feeling a certain way when you can, you know yourself what you're trying to accomplish. So I like what you're saying. And that's exactly a thank you for tying it back in. What advice, I mean, you give good advice there is don't let that, can you, don't let that impact, don't let somebody else's perception impact your, your actual reality, but it still may sting a little bit. It still might cause uh, an emotional spike. What tools can you recommend for somebody to address that internally or even if you feel like maybe externally? Like as, as somebody who's been there and done that, like how do you process that? If you're, okay, if you first take, of all, the best tool you have is a smile. The best tool you have in your arsenal is a smile. And, and a thank you. I mean, manners make up for a lot of ignorance. You know, when somebody says that to me, the first thing I do is smile and say, thank you. In my head, how I process it, that's mine to own, but that's not theirs to deal with. You know what I mean? They didn't mean that in a negative way. They're not saying like, what's wrong with you? They really, if someone says that to me, that's kind of an, a compliment. I kind of go, wow, you know, you see something in me that I may not see in myself. So I will say thank you and I'll smile and I encourage everybody who doesn't have a like feeling with the person that, that says something to you that like that smile and take it as the most genuinely kind thing they're trying to do. Don't, they're not trying to be ugly and ignorant. And if you have that perception in your mind, then that is something you need to deal with. But, and then on the inside of me, I go, you know what? I mean, for me personally, I just let it go. I can't, I can't own that kind of stuff because that's not where, I, that's not where I sit in my life. I'm not going to let, someone say to me, wow, why are you so still single? Be something that's going to sting that much. But if they want to get in a conversation about it, I'm willing to go there, but that's really not what they want. They want to compliment you. I don't, 99.9% of the people in your life, they're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you. And if you walk into anything with that in your heart and in your mind, you'll win. That's incredibly good advice, not just for this, topic this day just in life in general um, and I think you really bring up a good point which I don't know maybe I'm not really tying that back properly but I, I see it as like an internal confirmation bias like maybe somebody's perception like when they say something like that I think you said it when you know they hit a nerve you got to look inside yourself and figure out why does that why why is that nerve raw for you why did that strike that emotion and I think don't be afraid to ask yourself that question and think about it I would say you owe it to yourself to think about it you know I'm gonna I, I know we're getting close to time on this I, I think you uh, probably but I wanted to like I think the way I would tie this back is um, your responsibility to yourself is your words, your behavior, your efforts, your mistakes, your ideas, and the consequences of your actions. You're not responsible for other people's words, their mistakes, their beliefs, their consequences of their actions, or other people's actions, opinions, or ideas. You've got to be able to say in your mind, 
this person meant me no harm. And if you can't look at life like that, you will lose. And I'll, t- I'll give you my best example because we're talking about love in a way, generally speaking. I see many, many, many times on Facebook, because I'm on a lot of groups, I, I like a lot of crazy things. And women, younger women specifically, most often will write things like, I saw my boyfriend like somebody's picture on social media. I'm talking about 20 and 30, 20 year olds mostly. And I, I'm try- not trying to attack anybody, so please don't think I am. You know, they'll say, I, I, and it really upset me. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, that's social media. Like that's not like he walked up to a girl and kissed her and said, Hey, I love you. He liked the picture. If that is going to set you off, look inside, look inside because jealousy is a monster that you own, not the other person. And I, the last thing I would say about um, love and responsibility and things like that is if you feel like you have to do or be a certain way around someone, or you have to have them be a certain way or do certain things for you, you make it obligatory. And if you do that, it's not truly love because love is free. Love is one of those things to me that, you know, if, if I, if somebody loves me, they're going to want to show up at my house and say hi to me anytime, but not just when I ask them to come to dinner. No, love is a kind thing. It's not something that's, that's greedy or, or self-absorbing or jealous. And, 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 and I'm not a religious person, but there is one particular, you know, I always listen and, and read and it all ties back to, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Do you want somebody talking to you? Like, don't like somebody's post or, you know, if someone's going to look at another woman, do you really think that it's about, don't be so insecure to own it. That's their problem, not yours. That's an, an interesting point. Um, I mean, you make a lot of interesting points, but one is the whole, you know, he liked somebody's Instagram picture or she liked somebody's Instagram picture. And I think that's a couple, my perception is that's a couple different things. So one is that that age group, they're always online. They've always been online. <laughs> they overshare, they overshare everything. So maybe their relationship started with an Instagram like, and then a private conversation. So I can see how in some ways that they might be thinking that that's flirty, but if that red flag goes off, that's have the conversation. So let me talk to you about that one for a second, because I am a, so I'm on, tw- I'm on the phone 12 hours a day. I, Apple told me that this morning. I spent 12 hours screen time yesterday and yesterday was Saturday. So that tells you I'm on social media a lot. Um, that's like, to me, what I hear you say is, if you meet him in a bar and you get together and you're together and then you guys are together and he goes to the bar, you should worry. No, if, that's, if you... that's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I just what to I'm saying is what I'm saying is let's use the bar analogy. What I'm saying is you guys met in a bar and you go to a bar and then you see him at the bar flirting with another girl. Yes. Because that's what I was saying. Like it's hard to tell. And especially in an online world, when you're talking about text where you can't see, the person's facial expressions, you can't Correct. get tone of voice. So a one like does not a relationship make. Correct. However, what I'm saying is if that caused you to be tense or worried that they need to take a bigger look. So there's, there's again, perception is reality. So let's just say that um, I'm out. I mean, Sherry and I, we don't go to bars, but let's just say, you know, actually when we were younger in Hawaii, we went to bars with, 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 I was going to say in the eighties, we all did. (laughs) Yeah. And I used to play my favorite game. Have you met Jim? But anyway, um, let's just say that Sherry and I, you know, we're out at a bar and I'm up at the bar and there happens to be somebody next to me and I'm waiting for a drink and I'm talking. I don't think she would worry about that. She wouldn't, I, I mean, she wouldn't, worry about that because it would be, first of all, me talking to anybody is pretty much a rarity just on like (laughs) random conversation. Two, I'm sure that she would be able to read my facial expressions like, wow, he's totally like being awkward sauce right now. But on the other side, if I had bad intent, I think that would be just as obvious. So what I'm saying is if there's something behind that like on Instagram, Whoever, whether it be male or female, and their partner, they need to take a closer look at why that bothered them. Correct. 
that's my point. Exactly. Look inside yourself before you be accusatory to someone else. That's exactly where I'm going. I think it's also the same thing about being nice. My daughter said this to me because I raised her really to be nice and kind. Actually, she should have been in sales, but she worked for NASA. That's a whole nother story. But, you know, she said to me, she goes, Mom, you know, it's really weird. I can be nice to people. And instead of thinking that I'm being nice to them, they think I'm flirting with them. And I'm like, that's because the world's a little crazy now. And you have to look at what other people think of your intent instead of what you really are. I agree. Um, I, I agree. And, and niceness, I, I see, um, I have one friend on Facebook in particular who posts that a lot. It's just, this, actually, there's a couple of them. Like just because I'm being nice to you doesn't mean that uh, I love you um, or want to <laughs> date you. And I think that's a weird perception is because there are people, I think being online all the time now, there is all we've lost all these nuances. There's no communication. There's no real time communication in a verbal way. It's all online and digital and you're inferring what people are meaning. So they're being nice to you or they like your picture. It's like, oh, this person likes me. Well, they like your picture that you just posted. That doesn't mean that they've liked every picture you've posted in the history of the world of all time. And uh, that also like, goes, go ahead. Just like, just to your point though, um, it, it's, it's kind of funny to me that like people will say we're friends because we're on Facebook and I let you into my friend circle. We are not friends. Sometimes I'm watching my enemies. You know what I mean? It's, it's a crazy world on social media. And it's what I find is even funnier is that uh, guys, especially guys from high school, boy, if they hear this, they're going to be really not so happy. But I've had several guys that I've gone to high school with that have reached out to me. You know, they're all single. They're like, hey, let's get together. I'm like, really? Just because you watch me on Facebook, do you think that I'm like going to date you? No. I don't know you. I haven't seen you in, you know, 30 years. That's fair. And I, do you think that they're all uh, after a date? No, gosh, no, no. People don't change. I'm just asking. Here's what I think. I, I think it's easier because to, to handle rejection. I think it's interesting that you feel confident and, 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 and confident enough to like reach out to me, but like, you didn't ask me for my phone number. You want to have a conversation on messenger. I think that's weird. I'm like, you know, if you really want to, meet somebody and hang out with them why wouldn't you say hey give me your phone number I want to talk to you or hey you know I know you're going to be in town next week which I don't like I don't date guys geographically geographically dispersed because I think that just adds more problems but I, you know it it I think Facebook messenger is a crazy way to start a relationship is what I think that's just me it's one thing to say hi how you doing let's go to dent I mean let's let's meet up and talk but to like want to continually to have a conversation without really getting on a phone call and I will tell you this honestly, anybody that wants to, that I'm going to date, not that wants to date me, but I'm going to date, if you're not actively wanting to communicate me on, with me on the phone or in person, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I don't want a texting relationship and I don't want to be on messenger or social media all the time. That's, I, that's not where my, I want to put my phone down and not even know I have a phone. Mm, that's the dream. Uh, yeah. That, that's the dream. Uh, touching, I just want to say one thing real quick, and it's, I think maybe your daughter can use this as well, uh, but I like to tell people that don't mistake my kindness for weakness, and a lot of people do. They perceive not only kindness as flirtiness, but they perceive kindness as weakness, and Agreed. I I don't perceive my kindness to be a weakness. I consider my kindness to be one of my greatest strengths. Yes, has it backfired on me? Of course, I think everybody's strengths can backfire on them. Hubris is a wonderful thing. However, I do sincerely think that my kindness is, is, a, is a strength. So to her, when she's uh, listening to this, because uh, you'll probably share it with her and say, maybe, hopefully you will, maybe you will, I don't know, because she'll be bored in Antarctica, what you gotta do? How many seals can you count? Um, although I know she's not counting seals. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that to diminish in case that was the way it was. I was she's studying glacier volcanoes. I know. I read your posts about her. Um, I know, but <clears throat> all right. How many glacier volcanoes erupt on a daily basis? Exactly. Uh, exactly. That, that, that's also 
kindness is, is, is a strength. And if she owns it, it it's her greatest, um, greatest asset and weapon. That's exactly what I tell her. And I tell anybody that, you know what, being kind is something people remember. They may think you're crazy and kind. I'd rather be crazy than kind than mean and cruel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Crazy kindness is, is one of those things that, you know, I was out to dinner the other night with a guy. Yeah. I went on a date. I know. And we were leaving and the part, the ballet was just packed with people. Like it was like a concert line to get tickets. And the guy behind me, behind us walked over and he's like, is this really the line? And I, said yeah can you believe it and my date looked at me like what are you doing talking to him and i was like i kind of looked at him and i thought okay this is probably not going to be the last this is probably not going to continue because if you can't handle that i can talk to someone and be funny and kind and nice then maybe no you know what i'm saying yeah that's that's strange so can i just ask a question and and it, this yeah. is gonna this is gonna go completely opposite but of what I normally think, but I'm just wondering, based on a recent experience that Sherry and I personally had, was that person an original Southerner by birth, or did they come from a different geographical area of the country? So that's a weird that's a weird question to answer because the, I have always known this person to live in the South, but he was born by parents that are from um, England, and he was raised in Canada as a as a kid until he was like in junior high so I see where you're going with that I honestly do but he, this one's probably a paradox <laughs> I know I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just saying because Sherry and I are originally from the northeast and we're not used to a world like we love the south for a reason and I, I'm totally switching gears and I want to I will bring it back in a moment everybody bear with me I swear I just had to go down this road because one of the things we like about the South is that people are like, we'll come up to you and say, Hey, is this really the line? And you're, you know, the answer is, well, yeah, can you believe it? And yeah. And then you talk for like five minutes because that's what you do. It's nice. You're acknowledging another human being. It, it nothing, <laughs> it's what, southern what, thing. what bad thing comes from having that conversation? Well, I mean, know, what, would, what would happen if people had those conversations? What was, what's, what's back? Okay. Let's tie this all back together. I'm on the, I'm on the Marta. Like I'm in Atlanta folks. And that's the subway for people that don't know. I love your what? Marta posts. Um, like you, you should have just a page for Marta posts and just, I wish I did Marta mo more than I do now. Cause I took a different position, but here's the thing. Um, if you're, if I was on Marta and I handed someone who was sitting next to me a Valentine, you have one way, one way, one or two ways to take that. You think I'm a freak or it's the sweetest thing you've had done to you all day. I mean, it's your choice to hand it. It's their choice to decide what that meaning is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I, that's how I feel about this whole conversation. If someone looks at me and says, you're a freak. We're talking to that guy behind you. That's your problem, man. I'm not going to stop being who I am to make somebody else feel good about who they are or to, to keep them fenced into their belief. Um, and, and that's, I think the reason why I'm still single. I, I have refused to compromise my, my, feelings of how I believe my life and world should be. And I, I think it's going to be very difficult. I, I might be honest, God, 60 before I ever find someone, but that's okay. Um, because I don't feel like I should have to compromise being nice, being funny, having, you know, going out with my friends when I want to, to, to be with someone. If, if, and this goes back to the beginning of this conversation. And I really, if I could tie this into any generation that if someone doesn't feel good about the coolest little things you do with others, then they're not the right person for you because they should be proud of you that you could turn around to a stranger and say, I know, right? Instead of why are you talking to him? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why are you, I, again, I would wonder like, why is that person so insecure? And I, again, my perception, because I perceive that lack of uh, conversation to be either like I just really uh, revealed uh, a northern thing where they're not used to these kind of conversations, which is true, which is true. And I have a very recent example about about that. Uh, somebody in line, I'll just briefly tell it so everybody knows. Briefly, we were checking out uh, and we were, I don't know what, I forget how it came up. I, actually, I don't, but I'm just trying to bridge it. We were talking to the cashier and the cashier literally looked at us and was like, I don't care. She didn't want to have anything to do with us as people, as human beings or anything. Um, she needs a new job. Well, but that's, 
that's what you get up there, like checking out in, in the market. They, you hear the beeps. There's no conversation. There's no eye contact. There's no nothing. But down here, like they're scanning your items. They're like, oh, somebody's making enchiladas today. Oh, that looks like, you know, like. But anyway, again, it's an, I think it's in, in I'm associating an insecurity thing. If, if somebody is going to have a conversation with you online, they're not flirting with you. They see you're with somebody else. So why are you insecure about having that conversation? Exactly. And you know what? If a woman posts or a man posts a picture, I don't care what it is. You know, it could be of their dog. It could be of them, you know, in the gym. I don't care. If you like a picture, that doesn't mean you like them and want to be with them, to your point. But back to what you said about the cashier statement, I want to make sure that, that I, I, I turn this around on you a little bit. You know, I was very fortunate. I, as you can tell, I'm a Southern girl. I grew up in the South mostly. Actually, I didn't. I grew up in Germany. My dad was in the military. But when I got to high school, my senior year, my senior year of high school, my parents moved from North Carolina, which I had been in school in until I was a senior, to Philadelphia. And the change in, like, just the atmosphere change was completely crazy for me. And I'll never forget my first day up there. Now, I don't think I have a true, really bad Southern accent, but... I went to school and the guys, you know what they they said? They were go that girl that talks funny. And I was like, yeah, I talk funny. So it is perception. It's all about perception. And and it's all, you know, I, I never stopped being the Southern girl I guess I am. Because even when I moved to Arizona, they said the same thing. That girl that acts like a Southern belle, which is funny. But it is perception. <laughs> but one of the things I love about being from the South, and I guess, you know, I came from a pretty strong female-oriented family because my mom was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher back when women weren't teaching. And my sisters, both of my sisters, one was in the military and retired as a colonel and the other one is a doctor. So we all have masculine kind of positions for the generations we grew up in. So it may be a little foreign for some people to understand why it's important to me that you be so self-aware and so self-assured. And, and I guess knowing my background and knowing that I'm Southern, that might be part of it. But I guess what I'm trying to tell you is you are who you are and you, you can try to change yourself and you will do a good job of it if you want to. But if the kind if kindness runs in you, you can't take that away, and you can't let others make you think that you shouldn't be that way. Maybe they're the ones that are wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. So Not we we definitely have had a, a great discussion, and I really want am dying to ask you uh, about what it was like that first year after the divorce on Valentine's Day, uh, and oh. then maybe you could tell us a little about that, and then we'll. Uh, summarize yeah well so um i guess i was pretty lucky because i got in a situation in in i don't want to get into it but it was pretty ugly but i i i started dating somebody within i don't know must have been a year it had to be within a year and so i had a boyfriend on valentine's day and i think the year after something traumatic like that you just really want to feel like somebody cares about you and be a part of the whole sentimental thing and he was fabulous about that. And even to the point that he bought my daughter, you know, candy for Valentine's Day. So, you know, I, I am I'm appreciative of those times, but I also have and still have one of the best friends I ever made in my life from Hawaii. And she, we all met, you know, up for, for drinks. And, and after that, then the date and I went out. But I mean, to this day, she and I will, are still, you know, the best of friends, Stacy. Um, I don't know if you ever knew her, Dave, but, um, I guess the point I'm trying to make with that is, is that people who care about you make it a point to show you that they care on those days when they know you need it. Mm -hmm. That's very and I was true. really fortunate to have that in a, in a time in my life where I was very, I was feeling very um, down and not I, I let down, down, hurt, you know, all those bad feelings, bad feelings that you have, you have to go through. You just have to go through them. And a lot of uh, why had this happen to me because it wasn't something I had chosen. Um, but you know what? We got through it. And the, the way you get through it is with people that love you and care about you who put, who put a priority on letting you know that they do. Every day, that. not just on Valentine's Day. I can't, yeah, I, I like, and you've made that point a couple of times that love is not a one day a year thing. It is an everyday occurrence. And I agree with you. And I thank you for sharing all of that with us. There are several other future episodes I can think of that uh, <laughs> we could talk about. Um, several. I'm sure that there's a few roaming through your head as well. That uh, Hopefully there is because it, 
my perception is through your tone of voice and actions that this was an enjoyable experience for you. I definitely want to talk about the experience of fast cars um, instead of going on vacations because you know me and fast cars. I'm just kidding, but truly. <laughs> well, I will say this about you, though, um, and, and, and I usually get pretty gushy about all of my guests so far because they've been friends. And I mean, I know we haven't talked in 25 years, but I really do believe that's just have been a factor of because of the way my life has turned and the way your life has turned. And I feel like we're still sitting. We had desks sitting across from each other in the call center. You know, we'd go hang out. <laughs> and we out used to more. joke. Right. <laughs> joke I mean, about all the crazy stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, friendship is a dynamic thing. Um, I mean, I do know what you're saying about the Facebook people. And I have a bunch of people on Facebook that aren't, I wouldn't consider friends. They just have been blips but I consider you a friend friend because we were together for three years while I was there we were very close you Sherry and I and your daughter and other friends that were mutually friends with on Facebook like we we spent all our time together like every we were, weekend even <laughs> we were our mini family and so I'm we very I feel blessed to be reconnected and in a part and I'm hoping that this again now that we're on the phone that we'll actually talk more and, and be that way. But I mean, that's just how I, I feel about that. And I forgot my initial point, but anyway, uh, Oh yeah. I'll make, it, I'll make it for you. It doesn't matter how long you talk or see someone when you're truly friends, it, it starts right back up where it left off. It, it, and that's it, the it, truth. It does. But I think you, what did you, your original point was you said something and folks listening, this is what a real conversation is like. These moments happen, and it's okay that I can't remember what she said because I went off on a tangent. It's just life. That is what an unedited, unscripted conversation is like. And in case you've forgotten, because you've been a longstanding podcast episode listener, I talk about that in episode one. Everything is unedited, unscripted, half the time, or more than half the time. Actually, this is the first time in seven episodes I actually knew what the topic was but I still didn't do any prep for it because it's hard to prep for life true um oh fast cars and so what I was going to say is and see by talking I got my point back so Margaret you're one of those people that has the ability because of your drive and your success in life you have the nice car but you also don't lack for experiences and you don't live for your car is this no. is my perception of you. You have a nice car and it is a fast. That's a very nice car because I know, cause I almost was thinking about buying the same car, but you also don't live for that car. That car is not taking all of your salary. You can still do. And you, and I perceive that you do value those vacations and trips and times that you spend out even just on a dinner that you don't lack for those experiences. All right. So I think you're right. We're going to end it right here. And yep. I will tell you like, what, this is kind of the end point at the beginning point and I'll be wrap it all up. So here I am. It's um, like what, two weeks away from Valentine's day. And I don't have a Valentine, which I'm okay about. That's not a big deal, but you know what I do wish. And this is the part that I think is interesting. I could care less about a Valentine's day or any other day, but I would really love a travel partner. Somebody that loves to travel and I could do it with a girlfriend and, and that's fine. I don't mind doing that. But I think when I look at my life now and where I've come from and where I, where I'm going, I've recently, I think recently lost my parents and um, my daughter's grown. So I'm by myself now. And I look at life and I go, do you want to end this journey alone? And the answer is absolutely not. And then the other question is, what would you want to do with somebody on this journey with you? And your point of experiences is exactly where I would want to be in this last, you know, like it, toward the end of my journey, I have a long journey. Don't worry about that. But I would really like to have someone to share it with that would want to appreciate and grow through it. Does that make sense? So yes, to your point in the beginning, when, you know, I don't really care about a Valentine, but if I could find someone that I could enjoy the, you know, like going to, I don't, I, I was just looking at um, things in Vietnam. I would love to do that, but do I want to do it alone? No. Did I do Peru by myself? Absolutely. Was it fun? Absolutely. And you know what, when you're doing it by yourself, you don't have to worry about somebody else's budget and all that, but the memories that you make, 
are just those. They're yours. They're not shared. And I think as humans, we look for someone to share our experiences, our memories, and our emotions with. That is indeed an excellent way to end today's podcast and lead into other segues. So I really appreciate it. I do want to thank you again for your time today. Happy uh, to do it. And, and, and for all the, the good memories. And one I'll just share quickly and then we'll say goodbye is that you are the person that taught me the meaning of the word, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> you and Christine. And, and we'll leave it there. And for those of you that don't know, feel free to Google it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks for joining today, Margaret. All right. Bye-bye.